Our God is a God of sight, sound, and praise. I said our God is a God of sight, sound, and praise. And what a blessing it is to get together and take God's Word verse by verse through the Bible, learning the Scriptures. Amen. Um, I'm fortunate to have such a wonderful group of people, good crowd here today, and, and good listeners. Amen. And you say, how do you know I'm a good listener? I'm a man of faith. By faith, I believe you're going to listen real good. Amen. I'm going to be preaching this morning on the topic, you can learn a lot from a demon. Now, last week we preached on you can learn a lot from a blind man. This week we're going to look at you can learn a lot from a demon. Matthew chapter 9, verse 30 through 34 Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, just in reverence to God's Word. If you don't have a Bible with you, God's Word is always lit up in our lives. Verse 30, and their eyes, speaking of the two blind men, were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, see that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all the country. As they went out, they brought to him a dumb or mute man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. I want you to look at this. Lessons, or you can learn a lot from a demon. You may be seated. I want to begin first by clearing something up real quickly. This mute man that couldn't talk was not demon-possessed because, well, in fact, the muteness and the inability to talk wasn't caused by the demon. This mute man actually had a devil, and he just couldn't talk. He was a person that did not have the ability to articulate. And let me say real quickly, because there's so much much misunderstanding about demons, and the King James calls it devils. Let me quickly say that a man that's born blind or injured and becomes blind, A person that is crippled or filled with some kind of terminal disease, a person that is afflicted with sickness and disease, is not demon-possessed. It's not caused by demon possession. If you meet someone that is demon-possessed, you will know it. But there are millions of people that are demon-depressed or demon-obsessed. They're held down. They're they're weighted down by unclean spirits. And so this, despite the teaching of the Pharisees, despite the leaders of that day, they thought blindness, um, people were blind because of a devil. They thought people were mute or couldn't hear because of the devil. I want you to know that you could be mute or blind or not be able to talk and still not be full of the devil. 
you need to understand that the devil preys on weakness. The devil came to this man not to make him unable to speak. The devil came onto this man because he saw something that he could prey on. And he came upon this man and possessed him. The demon possessed him. Now, we want to begin by simply saying something that is clear, clearly taught in the Scriptures. A demon is unclean. A demon does not have a body. A demon is an unclean spirit. And that unclean spirit will inhabit a person that is yielded to sin and iniquity. Demons are unclean. Always remember that. Anything that's unclean is not of God. It's of the devil. And I want to point out some things this morning that is very... I'm cautious. I'm on a thin line here. But unclean spirits cause a lot of pain and sorrow. Unclean spirits cause a lot of strife, a lot of discord, a lot of pain, a lot of confusion. Jesus spoke of unclean spirits in people that are not saved. In Matthew chapter 12, he talks about people that are not Christians, that they have an unclean spirit in them. Verse 43 of chapter 12 of Matthew Jesus Christ said, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, whether it's cast out or whether he chooses to go out, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. But he saith, I will return unto my house from which I came, and when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself." And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. I agree that we live in a wicked generation that has yielded themselves to sin and uncleanness and unclean spirits. Jesus Christ said when an unclean spirit leaves a man, whether it's cast out or whether it chooses to leave because it's bored. It looks for dry places, places that it could inhabit. But then it says, no, I'm going to go back to my home, my house. See, he's already claimed that house. I'm going to go back to that house. And when he finds that house swept and clean and garnished, he says, whoopee. And he gets seven of his buddies to come back with him, and they inhabit that house. And the worst, that man is in worse state, seven times worse than before. Don't just clean up your life. Let Jesus control and possess your life. One of the things we find in churches all around the world is people try to clean up their life by their own ability. They try to clean up their lives, garnish, sweep, clean up their lives, and it works for a month or two or a year or two, and the next thing you know, that unclean spirit returns, 
and finds you uninhabited by the Holy Ghost, uninhabited by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he says, hey, we can do what we want to do. And he calls his other friends in and you are seven times worse because you did not line up to the gospel. You did not turn your heart to Jesus Christ. You held on to thinking that you could be self-righteous, that you could live for God, that you could clean up your life, but you left Jesus out and he's the all-important one. You cannot resist the devil without the Lord of glory and his name is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so if you're sitting in this room and you've cleaned up your life, good for you. But you better let the Lord Jesus Christ possess your life or you will return to the vomit in which you left. You will return to the, uh, the, the miry clay and the mire that the hog left and you'll return to that place and you'll be worse than ever. Quit drinking for a year or two. If you don't let Jesus Christ possess your life, your mind and your soul, you'll go right back to drunkenness. You'll go right back to drugs. You'll go right back to the world. You'll go right back to your bitterness. You'll go right back to your sin. Only Jesus Christ can, can capture the house, spoil the strong man of the house, and come in and, uh, and, and adapt and, and possess your life. And thank God you're looking at a vessel that Jesus Christ has full control of. Woo, he lives in me. And many of you in this room could say the same thing. But demons are unclean spirits. Demons will mess up your sight, your sound. You will not hear right or talk right. Let me back up just a little bit. Remember the two blind men that Jesus healed last Sunday? Remember them? And Jesus told the two blind men, don't you go tell anybody that you're healed. And every time they seen someone coming, they had to do this. <laughs> or someone said, say, what happened to you? Weren't you blind? See, Jesus knew that you couldn't pretend. He knew that if he does a sovereign work in your life, that's it. It's done. You cannot pretend. And if you're pretending, you don't have the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is not something I have to put on or put on a show. I know Jesus Christ. I'm bug-eyed about Jesus Christ. I'm giggled pink about Jesus Christ. I'm thrilled about Jesus Christ. The world thinks the cheese fell out of my sandwich, but who cares? Jesus added a double-decker on while they wasn't looking. Amen. Say cheese. Remember the two blind men that Jesus healed? And the Bible says, verse 31, and they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all the country. They, those two blind men, when they, those two blind men, went out, they spread abroad his fame in all, in all that country, verse 31, but look at verse 32. As they, maybe those two blind men, as they, I said, maybe those two blind men, went out, and behold, they, maybe those two blind men, brought to Jesus a dumb man possessed with a devil. 
Now, I read that a few times, and I thought, wow, why didn't I see this before? Now, they may have been other people as they left the crowd, but it kind of links they in verse 31 with they in verse 32. And they go out and they bring a mute man, a man that can't talk, possessed with a devil. Now, once again, the devil didn't make that man mute or couldn't talk. That man couldn't talk. Maybe he was born that way. Maybe he was hurt. But because he just happened to be a man that was mute, that couldn't talk. And he was demon-possessed on top of that. You know, we have crazy stuff in the church world today. People talk about the demon of lying, the demon of lust. I'm going to cast that demon, that Jezebel demon out of her. Why don't they say him too? Demons like men meet too. Amen. I'm going to catch the demon out of that piano. I'm going to catch the demon out of that chair. I'm going to catch the demon, and all cats need the demon cast out of them. Anyway, I'm going to catch the demon out of that thing. Can demons possess animals? Yes, but they're more intelligent than human beings because the pigs committed suicide when they were possessed. They killed themselves, drowned themselves. I don't know what a cat would do, but anyway, lick itself to death? I don't know. Eat too many fur balls and die of caticide? I don't know. But you have all kinds of crazy things, a demon of gluttony. You're fat because a demon's in you, a demon of fatness. Now, I've actually heard a preacher say that one time in a camp meeting. Yeah, you've got that fat demon, that glutton demon. And I got to look, and he looked like he was nine months pregnant himself. I thought, well, there's plenty of room for some in you too, buddy. Crazy stuff. The demon of, of um, anger, the demon of, you know, lust, the demon of adultery, a demon of fornication. Has it ever occurred to you, a demon is a demon, a demon does what a demon demon does, a demon's unclean, a demon would do any of that stuff? Now, when Jesus cast the devil, King James, the demon, out of this man that was mute, couldn't talk, everybody said, we've never seen it like this before. This is amazing. He truly must be the son of David. He must be the Messiah. But the Pharisee said, no, 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 no. Don't get too too anxious about it. This man cast out devils by the prince of devils. Are you listening to me? Before, before I get into that, I've, I've just about got two horses before the cart, so I'm going to back up just a little bit. Unclean spirits will dumb a man down. Unclean spirits will dumb a man down. Now, I'm not speaking irreverent of this man that was dumb. Because he may have been highly intelligent. It just means that he couldn't talk, couldn't communicate. But I am referring to when unclean spirits get into a man's life or a woman's life, 
those unclean spirits will dumb them down. Their intelligence about God goes out the window. Their convictions about living for God is gone. Unclean spirits will make, will dumb a man down. He'll make the person talk dumb. Now this man couldn't talk. But how many agree that unclean spirits, lost people, talk really dumb? Hello? Unclean spirits, lost people will talk dumb. You know, dumb like, he who dies with the most toys wins. You're still dead, dumb dumb. Dumb stuff like, well, when I get to hell, I'll be with all my buddies and we'll celebrate and drink Budweiser. No, no, Budweiser's out. We need some other. Some of you will get that later. Some of you will never get that. But anyway. But lost people speak dumb. Well, I'll wait till I get older and serve God. Well, I believe God is a feeling. And when we get to heaven, we'll just float around on the clouds. Dumb. Celebrate in hell with my buddies. Know you'll burn, fry, sizzle, and boil and scream in agony in the fires of hell. We've got dumb people. <laughs> Should I say this? We've got dumb people in our homes, in our families. Now, don't think of no name right now. We've got dumb people in our family. We've got dumb people in our churches. We've got dumb people in our cities. We've got dumb people in our Senate. We've got dumb people in our Congress. We've got dumb people in our White House. We've got dumb people that still go to the outhouse. We've got dumb people everywhere. Now, I don't mean that, that they're in a place where they don't have senses. I mean that they don't recognize God as the pre-existent eternal way to heaven. They don't recognize Jesus Christ as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Amen. And so, unclean spirits will dumb a man down. This man couldn't talk. He may have been highly intelligent, but he couldn't talk. But in the spiritual world, if you're a lost sinner, you can't talk the language of God. If you do, you're pretending. When a man's a sinner and doesn't know Christ, he can't talk or understand. He, he, he can't hear. He cannot see the kingdom of God. He's blind, his sight is, is tainted, his hearing is muted, his articulation is dumbed. And only till you get born again do you discover the God of sight, sound, and praise. Amen. Oh, we ain't got to the good stuff yet. Jesus cast the demon out of this man. And once again, if a person is blind, lame, 
sick, cancer, disease, that doesn't mean that it was caused by a demon, nor does it mean they're demon-possessed. I've said it before, and I'll say it again as I said earlier. Very few people are demon-possessed, but there are millions that are demon-obsessed and depressed. Got quiet in here. Let me be, let me say here the third point: demons come in all types and all types of filth, and their lord is Beelzebub. Demons come in all types of filth, and their lord is Beelzebub. What does Beelzebub mean? It means lord of the fly. Beelzebub was a Philistine god. It was a god of decay and rot. It was the lord of the fly. Matthew chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. Well, look at Matthew 12, 24 first. Matthew 12, verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth, cast, doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. So when they were saying that this man cast out this demon by the, by the, by the prince of the devils, they were saying he, has, he, he does it by the power of Beelzebub. That's close to blaspheming the Holy Ghost, by the way. And so Beelzebub is recorded. He's, he's accused of being... Casting out devils by Beelzebub in Matthew 12, 24 and 27, Luke chapter 11, Matthew chapter 10, verse 25. And something you need to know about Beelzebub, the Lord of the fly. Beelzebub is a name for the devil. And he lords over the unclean spirits. When I think of the Lord of the fly, I think of a house fly, a black fly a fruit fly, but more than ever, I think of a blow fly. Amen? A blow fly, that's how it got its name. It would blow, it would, it would lay eggs on a carcass or lay eggs on a sick animal. Lay its eggs, they would hatch out, and then hundreds of thousands Blowflies would come out of that wound. Maggot in the garbage, maggots in the rot, rotten uh, dung hills. And a blowfly, something about a blowfly, they are noisy. Amen? Hey, listen, I've said in enough outhouses as a little boy, I know a blowfly is noisy. Amen. They are noisy. And I want you to know when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, I believe the old Lucifer tried to act like a blowfly. But he couldn't touch Jesus Christ. No corruption touched his body. 
rigor mortis had not set in. There were no blowflies flowing or blowing the, the tomb of Jesus Christ, for he's the holy Lamb of God without spot or blemish or any such thing. He's the Lamb of God that no contamination, no rot, no sin, no iniquity, no, no uh, stench of, uh, of smell came upon the body of Jesus Christ because he ever lived. And when he died on the cross of Calvary, he took our sins, but the blowflies were left outside. Amen. Amen. Satan couldn't even brag about what he did to Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I guarantee you, the blowflies may have been outside that tomb, but when Jesus Christ rose again from the grave, all the blowflies vacated. All the blowflies said to the other blowflies, I think I hear mama calling. And off they went down over the hills, the brook of Kedron, and down into the valley, back down to the valley of Gehenna. There they could wallow in the maggots of, of Hinnom, Gehenna. Housefly, black fly. I don't like houseflies. Man, if, if I can't find a fly swatter, I'll find a two before, but I'm going to get a housefly. Josh went and bought me one of them rifles. It's called assault weapon. I call it my assault weapon. S-A-L-T, my assault weapon. And you can take that salt, table salt, put it in that little rifle and crank it up, and one of them flies go by and pow. Down they go, right into the chili. I mean, there they go, right into wherever. Amen. Hate houseflies. We used to have a dog you couldn't go to sleep. If there was a housefly where she had her bed, you were forget it. Until that dog tracked that housefly down and chewed it up and spit it out, you were not going to get any sleep. Anybody got a do- dog like that? They hate them. Fruit flies. Fruit flies lay their eggs in the fruit long before when it's just blossomed. They lay their eggs in the fruit when it was still a blossom. So that when you get your apple, the worms inside without an entrance door. Amen. I'm preaching better than responding. Housefly, blackfly, fruitfly, blowfly, butterfly. Oh, it's so pretty. No, no, no. I've raised a garden. Butterflies and white butterflies. Oh, they look so pretty. They land on your cabbage. They lay their eggs. And out comes nasty, ugly worms. Butterflies may be pretty, but their first stage is nasty. Egg, worm, so they can do the cycle. So don't get too thrilled about butterflies. Butterflies ruin your broccoli. Not that it ain't already ruined, but anyway. (laughs) Ruin your spinach. Ruin your vegetables. Ruin your salad. 
And then there's what I call a pant fly. Pants, you know, britches, fly. <laughs> and trust me, trust me, if you forget to zip up your pant fly, things are going to get ugly. I'm glad that I have a wife that says, honey, your fly is open. <laughs> Every old man needs a wife that says, honey, your fly is open. Every little boy and every little girl that wears pants, every little boy needs a mama that says, honey, your fly is open. And every older husband needs a wife that will say, don't go out there. Are you sure you're dressed? Yes, I'm dressed, Judy. Are you sure? I said, yes, Judy. Something wrong with my shirt? No. Judy, are my socks off color? No. I said, well, Judy, what's wrong with it? She says, your fly is open. <laughs> and she's the only honest person that'll tell me that. I can get up here and preach all long, the whole service, and nobody will tell me. Now, I took a few, I took a few uh, college courses on preaching. I took a few college courses in seminary, a few. One of the number one statements before you go before a crowd is, check your fly. Now, you think I'm lying, but it is in the textbooks. Where was I? Oh. And they told Jesus, you cast out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, the blowflies. Now let me quickly say, demons come in all types of filth. Their Lord is Beelzebub. Demons prey on weak people. Demons prey on weak people. P-R-E-Y. Demons prey on people. And I'm going to give you a list of who they prey on. Start with the first one. People given to drunkenness. Demons prey on people that are given to alcohol and drunkenness. Number two, demons prey on people that are given to drugs, illegal drugs and abusive and abusing legal drugs. Demons prey in the pharmaceutical world. Number three, people given to unforgiveness. People given to unforgiveness. 
Demons prey on people that will not forgive. They'll prey on people that will not forgive others, that will not forgive themselves. And immensely, demons will prey on people that blame God for things. Number four, people give in to strife and anger. Demons prey on people given to strife and anger. Not only does demons prey on people given to strife and anger, but demons prey on people that are given to unclean pleasures. People that are given to unclean pleasures, demons prey on. Eventually, they possess that person. Eventually, a demon will possess a drunkard. Eventually, a demon will possess a drug addict. Eventually, a demon will possess someone that's unforgiving to others. Strife and anger issues. Eventually, demons will possess an unclean, people that cleave to unclean pleasures. People who have been abandoned to sickness. Demons will prey on people that have been abandoned to sickness. When you're sick, especially terminal, you need your friends. You need your family. You need your prayers. And you need your God. You need Jesus Christ. And so many times we go the wrong way. We get sick. We get something that's terminal, and we cleave to our friends, which that's good, that's wonderful. We cleave to prayer, a, a time of prayer. Uh, everybody will say, I'm praying for you. And we cleave to that kind of atmosphere, and maybe we feel better because the doctor, we cleave to doctors. Nothing wrong with cleaving to friends and, and, and prayer and doctors. Nothing, that's a good thing. You should do that. But when you cleave to your friends and leave God out, when you cleave to your doctors and leave God out, when you cleave to your 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 pleasures and your wants and leave God out, demons will torment you. Last but not least, and there's many more, people have been abandoned to sin. Demons will cleave to people that have been abandoned to sin. People that have been given up You've decided there's no hope for them, and they also have come to the conclusion that there's no hope for themselves. And demons will prey on those people. Now, that, does that mean they're always possessed? No. But it does mean that they will be critically oppressed and obsessed with doubt and unbelief. They will be to the critical state of, of bondage, of finding no hope and panic because that's what demons do to people. They prey on weak people. And that's why you need a strong person in you. And his name is Jesus Christ.
One thing we need to understand is when a person's given to drink or drunkenness, it may look, seem, seem innocent starting out, but once it gets a hold of them, demon says, there's someone we can take out. Demons look for those that are weak. See, we, we get it wrong. We think a person's a drunkard because he's demon-possessed. No, no, no. A drunkard is, allows himself to be demon-obsessed. Now, I realize this is not a popular t- topic. I'd say most of the churches around the world today is not preaching about what you can learn from a demon. I'd say that most, and there are charismatic preachers out there saying, yeah, we're going to come up here. We're going to cast the demon of lust out of you. Well, has that ever occurred to you? All demons probably have lust. And some folks don't need a demon to have lust. They got an unclean spirit in them. You say, well, isn't that a demon? If it is, it's a very low anemic form of demon. So the answer is to let Jesus take full control of your life. The answer is to not be prey to the devil. Because if you you yield yourself to drugs, whether they be illegal or prescription that you abuse, pharmaceutical world, or whether it be gossip and strife and lust that you yield yourself to, or pornography you yield yourself to, or some kind of uncleanness you yield yourself to, though you may not be demon-possessed, the demons will say, there's our guy, there's our gal, and they will prey on you. Next thing you won't even know, you won't even, you'll ask yourself, well, I thought I was saved. I thought I was going to go to heaven. And you start questioning yourself because demons has taken you into the wrong direction. I'm not saying you're possessed. I'm just saying you're influenced. Once again, if you meet a person that's demon-possessed, their head goes all the way around. If you, if you meet someone that's demon-possessed, trust me, you'll see it in their eyes. Trust me, you'll hear it in their voice. If you meet someone that's demon-possessed, trust me, they don't like you. They're terrifying. And the Pharisees had it wrong when they thought this one that couldn't talk was uh, uh, demon-possessed, that he couldn't talk because he was demon-possessed. The Pharisees had it wrong. He was not to the place where he couldn't articulate. He was not mute Because the devil made him that way, he was mute prior to that, and the devil preyed on his weakness. You you know, some of you are sitting there saying, I ain't heard this preached like this before. It's a high time you heard the truth. There's so much folly in this, so much nonsense, casting devils out of furniture. No, tell the lazy slob to get up and get a job. (laughs) 
casting bed bugs out of the bed. No, get you some spray and kill them. Who was it, the guy, the devil made me do it? Was that Flip Wilson? Some of you don't know who that is. Devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You did it, and the devil said amen. No, excuse me, he didn't say amen, because amen's another name for Jesus. He said, A-Beelzebub. Amen? See, you can learn a lot from a demon. You can learn you can't trust them, they lie. Now, why was it the Pharisees thought Jesus did this by the prince of devils or Beelzebub? Why did the Pharisees believe this? Because they believed that you had to get the name of the demon to remove the demon. They believed that. They believed that you had to get the name of the demon to get the demon to go. Case in point, last part of Mark chapter 4, first part of Mark chapter 5, Luke chapter 8, the demoniac of Gadara, Jesus Christ said, what's your name? He said, my name is Legion, meaning many. He probably was lying, but we know that there was at least 2,000 demons to kill 2,000 pigs. They believed, and I believe Jesus got his name to show them that he could do it their way or do it his way. Jesus, and the Pharisees had a hard time understanding that because they thought, well, he cast out this demon out of this, this devil out of this, this mute guy, this guy that couldn't talk. He cast this devil out and didn't, didn't get his name first. Well, he must have already knew his name. So he's Beelzebub. He's doing it by the power of Beelzebub. The only name you need to know is Jesus. Trust me. The only information, only information that you need to know is the Word of God. You don't need to know a demon's name. You don't need to spend 30 minutes or an hour to trying to get that demon manipulated to say, I am Oh, I felt devilish seizure right there. Oh, man, Lord, forgive me. Listen to me. Get that out of your head. This is not an exorcism. Get out of your head. This is gospel deliverance. And let's don't mingle sorcery with the gospel. Find out the name. Who cares when you got the name above all names? I don't care what the name, what the name of the demon is. Who cares what the name of the demon is? I know who the Lord of God glory is. His name's Jesus Christ. He's Lord of glory. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So Jesus didn't have to know the name. He knew the name, but he didn't have to know the name. Just cast it out. Amen. I made a mistake one time. I led a man to Jesus Christ one time at uh, 
at work. I used to work at FASCO, and it, I worked the third shift, and I led a man to, to the Lord. He didn't work in my department. He worked in a different department, and I led him to the Lord. And two days later, I didn't even know his name. I didn't even know who he was. I just led him to the Lord. Two days later, he comes and looks me up, and he says, look, he said, uh, I'm not even sure I'm saved because you didn't even ask my name. And I said to the individual, well, you see, I don't need to know your name. Jesus knows your name. And then he told me his name. It was Thomas. I said, thank you, Thomas, for letting me know your name. But you were saved. He said, how do I know I'm saved? The Spirit of God in you will bear witness that you are a child of God. And he said, I feel that in my heart. And he said, I haven't been able to do things that I enjoyed in the past that were unclean. And he said, I was wondering why. He said, I was wondering why I couldn't enjoy my beer with the buddies. I was wondering why I couldn't enjoy my, my smoke and my, my dirty jokes that people were telling. I wondered why something was wrong. And I said, shake my hand, buddy. We're brothers. Brothers in the Lord. Amen. Now, we're going to have a baptism in a little while down at the river. And all those that are being baptized, please, 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 don't just clean up and turn over a new leaf. Make sure that Jesus takes up total residence in your life. See, it's not my place to decide whether you're saved or lost. I can't do that anyway. If I do that, I'm lording over God's heritage. But you know, and if you're not sure, make sure tonight, today, before you go into the water, make sure that you're a child of God. Make sure you've been born of the Spirit of God, been baptized into Jesus. There may be someone in this room right now that you preacher, I've been going under a lot of deep depression been going under a lot of deep hurts. And, and most people that go under deep depression, it comes for different reasons. Number one, sometimes it's because of sickness, depression. Sometimes depression comes because of a loss of, of something, a loss of a home or wealth or a family member or a, a person. Deep depression comes many times because of a feeling of inadequacy. But let me tell you something right now. Your greatest defense against depression and discouragement is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Friends can only take you to the grave. From there on, they can go no further. But Jesus can go with you to the grave and beyond the grave into the next world. Friends can't do that. They can only go so far. So you need Jesus in your life. And the one thing we can learn, one of the chief things we can learn about a demon, what we can learn from a demon, is we don't want him. We don't need him. And he is powerless without 
when Jesus Christ is in my life, he is powerless. A demon is powerless when Jesus is in, in our life. And make sure that he is. Confess your sins. Ask God to forgive you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved. Do what he tells you to do. And he'll literally change your life. But don't try to do it by works of the flesh. Turn over a new leaf. Try to clean up yourself because the demon will return. Drunkenness will return. Addiction will return. It all will come back unless you have the strong man that has broken the strong man of the house. And Jesus Christ now stands at your door protecting your life. Josh, come and bring a song. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you to think about what I've just said. If you're going through a weak time in your life, then demons are, they want to prey on you. They, if they can't possess you, they want to make you miserable. If you're sick, it doesn't mean you're sick because of the devil. If you're sick, it doesn't mean you're sick because, of your, because a demon has you. If you're sick, it means you're in a body that gets sick. If you're in darkness and trouble and pain and sorrow, it doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. The thing that you do wrong is not asking and begging Jesus Christ to take up residence in your life. That's what we do wrong. We do wrong in the storm. We do wrong in the sickness. We do wrong in the tragedy. We do wrong in the, in the affliction. We do wrong in the blindness. We do wrong in the muteness. We do wrong in the, uh, in the turbulence. What we do wrong is we don't ask Jesus to take up total control of our life. That's what's wrong. We do wrong when we don't do that. We do wrong when we don't invite Jesus, not just invite, ask, beg Jesus to take that place. Because the greatest thing that you ever do wrong in your life is not allowing Jesus to keep the demons back. To keep the unclean spirits back. Only Jesus can do that. Faithfulness to church, reading your Bible, Studying God's Word, prayer, all that comes with a life living for Jesus. All that is part of living for Jesus. If you think you can be a Christian and not go to church half the time, you're wrong. Church don't save you, but I'm telling you when Jesus Christ... Did you know Jesus Christ never missed church service? It was called synagogue. Jesus never missed synagogue service. He always went. Every, every synagogue, Jesus went to church, went to the synagogue. Do you know Paul? Every Saturday, Paul went to synagogue. Did you know that? You're not any better than Jesus, are you? You're not any better than Paul, are you? Well, if he needed to do it, I can be pretty smart. I do it. Amen? Josh, go ahead.